Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hosea. Hosea once more. And at the end of Hosea chapter 5, Hosea chapter 5, uh, from verse 15 of Hosea chapter 5, and our text will be down to chapter 6, verse 3. So it'll be the last verse of Hosea chapter 5, that's verse number 15, and the first three verses of Hosea chapter 6. And this text we're going to be looking at this evening under the title, God Heals Repentant Sinners. God Heals Repentant Sinners. And as we look at this text here this evening, we're going, we're going to look at the, the theme of repentance as we approach the Lord's table this coming Sabbath morning. And in preparation for the Lord's Supper, let us see our need, all of us, of repentance. None of us have reached our final place of that we will have in glory. We, uh, we still struggle with sin, the sight of eternity, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in our need to repent, this is for you, and this is also for me. Regardless of what stage you are at your, of your walk with Christ, and especially if you don't know Christ, repentance is necessary that you would turn from sin and turn to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For friends, no matter what stage of our walk we're at, we all have shortfallings. We all have struggles. We all have things that distract us away from Jesus Christ. I have them. Dear friend, you have them. None of us have reached sinless perfection yet. So we must come to the table this Sabbath morning, not just as we are, but leaving behind something, sin, and embracing something wonderful and true and nourishing, the Lord Jesus Christ. In our Westminster Larger Catechism, it speaks of this necessity to examine ourselves as we, the Lord's people, approach the Lord's Supper. Question 171 of the larger catechism states this, How are they that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper to prepare themselves before they come unto it? And it says this in question 171, They that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper are before they come to prepare themselves thereunto by examining themselves of their being in Christ, of their sins and wants. That's lacks. What do we lack? It goes on to say, of the truth and measure of their knowledge, faith, repentance. And then it speaks about by renewing the exercise of these graces. So this is needed. This is needed. And in looking at this theme, as we examine ourselves, as we approach the Lord's table this coming Sabbath morning, we're looking from verse 15 of Hosea down to verse 3 of Hosea chapter 6. 
Verse 15, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face in their affliction. They will seek me early. Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days, will he revive us? In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. And as we look at this text here this evening, may we all see our need for repentance. Hosea, the prophet, was speaking in a sinful time, clearly in need of repentance, of a change of heart and mind and attitude and affections toward God. He was clearly in need of that. And dear friends, we also live in a sinful day. And sin will be in this world until the Lord in his glory returns. And until that happens, there will still be that need for repentance. And that we will find good benefit in repentance, true evangelical repentance, turning from sin and turning to joy in Christ Jesus Let us learn what this text has for us to tell us today, as it did in Hosea's day. Our first point this evening is the necessity of repentance. The necessity of repentance. Verse number 15 in chapter 5. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. And as we look at this text, what does our sin do? What effect does sin have in our lives? Does it affect our relationship with God? What does God think of our sin? And as we think about this text, what is this distance that is spoken about. I will go and return to my place. No, the Lord is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But it's his blessed presence. So they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. The Lord will not return unto his people in blessing until they repent and seek him. Now, there is a distance caused by the unbeliever. That's even far greater than any distance we may as believers in Christ experience in our walk. There's going to be times when, unfortunately, we will sin. And the Lord will restore us once again when we return to him in repentance and faith. But the unbeliever, the one who has a heart of stone, the one who has no sense of his sin against God. Yes, he may have regrets. Yes, he knows he's done wrong, but not in the sense that it's against a holy and righteous God. You see, the unbeliever who's never trusted in Jesus Christ just thinks that sin is an innocent 
mistake. See, most people in the world will acknowledge they're sinners, won't they? And some of them are very proud of it. They take great pride in their sins. They think it's very funny. But sin is no laughing matter, friend. You see, it's not just that we have regret over it. It's far more than that. Just to have simple regret over our sin. Maybe it's been caught in public. Maybe it's publicly embarrassing. This is not the repentance that the Lord is seeking here in our text. They lack, if this is all it is, that true evangelical repentance. There is still that gap, there's still that distance between them and God. As I said earlier, we have to acknowledge too that God is everywhere. It's not that God goes from point A to point B. God is pouring out his wrath on sinners for all eternity in hell. God is in heaven, but it's his blessed presence. God is here. He fills heaven and earth. But it's speaking here of his blessed presence. See, friends, this evening, we meet with God. But we meet with him in a special way at the public worship of God. We come into the Holy of Holies, as it were. We meet with God in a special way. The blessed presence of God is among his people and the public worship of God. The taste of heaven to come. I pray that none here are far from the Lord. I pray that none here have this great distance and gulf between them and the blessing of God. The solution is the same. We need to repent, all of us, whether we're drifting from the Lord as a believer. And even if we've grown, there's always sin in our lives. And there will be until we stand before the Lord, until we leave this earth. We will hunger after sin. What did John the Baptist preach? Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To come unto Christ, this Christ who was preached by John the Baptist. Repentance is needed to bring them closer to the Savior. We must realize that it's not God who needs to change. It's us. So often we can complain about the Lord. We can complain about our circumstances in life. But it's God who cannot change. And we who must change. We must repent. You see, it is a wonderful thing that God does not change. Malachi 3.6. Because otherwise we would be consumed. Have you acknowledged your offense as Hosea writes here, till they acknowledge their offense. Have you seen your guilt? Yes, you may have regret over it. Yes, you may have public embarrassment about it if it's been ever revealed, but it's far more than that. In your repentance, are you seeking the favor of God, the forgiveness of God? And that you see that in your sin, you have offended him. Him who is good. Him who is true, him who is lovely, him who is the source of life and all that is good in this world. 
See, friend, we all need to see this. God can and does, as it says in our text here, bring affliction. It says, in their affliction, they will seek me early. In their affliction, they will seek me early. The Lord can and often does bring affliction and difficulty and trial into our lives. Why? So that we see what we need. So that we see where true value lies. So that we see the temporary things of this life are not nearly as important as eternal things. Now, not every difficulty we face in this world is linked directly to judgment. There's a lot of things mentioned by Hosea in chapter 5 that they're directly tied to the sin of the nation. This is happening in the land. Why? Because of the whoredoms. It's not always the case. We live in a fallen world. There are examples in the Bible of, yes, they are sinners, as we all are sinners. But the affliction that they face is not necessarily God's judgment and wrath upon them. I say this to you, friend, that if you're going through difficulty, it does not mean that you are not saved. So often people can go through trials like that. We all go through difficulties. Even the unbeliever will go through trials. The question is, why are we going through trials? Are we, are we suffering for righteousness sake or are we suffering because we're sinning? But whatever the case, friend, we need to come closer to the Lord. We need to acknowledge our sin. We need to find where it is in our hearts. And when we discover it, we seek to the utmost to rid it out of our lives because it is against God. That's the need of all our hearts. And as we approach the Lord's table, May we never think that we're done with that repentance thing. That was something I did years ago, and I'm okay. Oh, never think like that. We have all so much to grow. So that's a necessity of repentance. Number two now, the sight of repentance. The sight of repentance I think it's important that as we go through this, that we don't think of repentance as some mechanical work that we work up and we, through our willpower and strength, do. As we said earlier, it's not just sorrow over sin, but a turning in love toward Christ. Turning from that which is horrible to that which is lovely, to that which is true to that which is a blessing to our souls. See, in that sight, when we see with the eyes of repentance, we're saying, why would we not wish to repent? And warmly embrace the Christ who heals all repentant sinners. It says in chapter 6 and verse 1, Come and let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. Do you see the tender care? Yes, nothing happens outside of the Lord's hand. Yes, if you face affliction in your life today, 
It is by the sovereign hand of God, and there's a good, righteous, and holy reason for that difficulty. You may not know it today, but there's a good, holy, and righteous reason for it. But in embracing Christ more and more, as we examine ourselves, as we seek for that wonderful blessing offered by the bread and the wine, offered by these tokens of the Lord's love, as he sets before you his life, the Lord Jesus Christ gives you food for nourishment. He gives you drink to quench your thirst. He offers you himself. He offers you his life. But in coming to him, we also see which is against him. See, we can't come clinging to sin. There's probably a sin in your, in your mind right now. Thinking, oh, I can't give away. I can't. Not that. Friend, once you let go of it, you will wonder why you didn't do it sooner. Christ is lovely. And that's the difference between that legal, external repentance where you, you just feel sadness, but nothing really changes. That's the difference between a sadness of Judas as he portrays the Lord and Peter. Peter wept, but he also looked to Jesus for forgiveness. We'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians and chapter 7. As it speaks here of repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verses 9 and verse 10. Now I rejoice, Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Spirit of Almighty God. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you, that you sorrow to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But look at the difference between the two types of repentance. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. There's a difference. It's not just some mechanical thing of, in my willpower, I'm going to give up these things. No. In giving up and putting sin to death, we must have a really see how wonderful Christ is, the one we turn toward, the one who heals us, as it puts it here in our text in verse 1 of Hosea chapter 6. Let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn. He's the one who's brought affliction. He's the one who's brought difficulties, but he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. A repentance, an evangelical repentance, must see Christ. It must rejoice in Christ. It must think of what he or she gains in Christ, not what he or she is losing and giving up in the world. It is seeing the beauty of Christ, but also the ugliness of sin. It's having a new perspective on things. 
You could say your taste buds have changed. What you hunger after changes. Now, we must be careful as well when we talk about repentance that none of us repent enough. All of our our faith is weak and insufficient. None of this in any way merits anything. But it's the means by which we look to the one who has merited all to see Christ to no longer in an area of our walk see sin as some kind of an oops moment. Sin is conscious rebellion against God. It's embracing something foolish. And friend, I am saying this to all this evening. Reject what is foolish and embrace what is wise. What if you discovered something was harming your health? You go to the doctor and they tell you if you don't Stop. Perhaps it's smoking cigarettes or whatever the case may be. What would somebody think if you continued on in that lifestyle that was killing you? It would be unwise, wouldn't it? Or maybe think of it another way. You go out into the streets of Glasgow and you see lions in the streets, hungry lions, but you don't run. You walk up to the lions thinking they won't harm you. Friends, with sin, what we must do is see it is ferocious. And we must run from it. And when we run, we don't just run anywhere. We want to run to a place of protection. We want to run where we know that the lions can't break through the doors. We want to run to a safe place, a high tower, a place of refuge. And what we'll find as well, sometimes sin has a very alluring temptation. It no longer satisfies the believer. It's like salt water in the mouth. It never satisfies. As we approach the table this Sabbath morning, think of this, closer to Christ. This is the repentance we must be thinking of as believers, closer to Christ and farther away from all that would be that would, distance you from Christ and find healing, find rest, find joy. They needed healing in that day. Hosea 3 verse 1 says this, just to give you an idea of the sin that they were facing in that day. Then said the Lord unto me, get Go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord, according to the children of Israel, who looked to other gods and love flagons of wine. In Jesus, there is healing, not just for the soul. There will be physical, perfect healing in the world to come. He heals us. He is truly the great physician. He truly, all who will turn to him. And that is what we see in the sight of repentance. And as we think of the sight of repentance, let us also think now of the medicine of repentance. The medicine of repentance. There's always the danger in thinking 
I'm happy when I'm living right. But then once I fall into sin, I'm downcast. Now we should be to a degree, of course, because sin is horrendous. But it's not our performance that brings healing. It's not our level of repentance and faith that brings healing. We can't make an idol of our progress. Say, who would do such a thing? I know people early in my Christian walk, and they would, they would count almost the days since they fell into a particularly heinous sin. Oh, it's been 100 days. For I never think of that. It is not our length of days and our willpower. It's our medicine, our healing in Jesus Christ. You see, we're turning from something that brings harm to something that brings healing and someone who brings healing. In repentance, return to the one outside of ourselves. You see, if we look within ourselves, what are we going to see? If we look at it with the eyes of Scripture, we're not going to see the cure or the answer in ourselves. What does it say in our text? Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 6, Come, and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Isn't that wonderful? We shall live in his sight. We're looking for relief for our affliction in this world outside of ourselves. The the medicine of repentance is not our repentance. It's the one we turn to in repentance. And the source of the misery is really within ourselves. We must remind ourselves of that. Yes, as we said earlier, not everything bad in your life is necessarily linked to specific sin and specific judgment. We live in a fallen world because of the sin of Adam. But we all suffer. We all suffer. Now, the world itself also has a message of repentance. It has a message of turning from something to turning to something else. The world will say, well, you know what your problem is? You don't love yourself enough. You just don't love your- you. You've probably heard it a million times. I just had no love for myself. And essentially what they're saying is you need to, you need to love yourself more. You need to turn from not loving yourself to loving yourself. And in yourself, if you find contentment, you will find true healing. That is the repentant message or the message of repentance that the world gives. Contentment in yourself. What does experience tell us? Now, the Bible clearly tells us that this is wrong, but what does experience tell us? And it shows us all around us. The message of the world It brings misery. It doesn't bring contentment to look within ourselves. How can we find delight and satisfaction in ourselves within me? Is it any wonder why people face such misery? Is it any wonder that people talk about things such as the the despair of our generation? The trans movement, for example, is based on a lie. 
Express yourself. That horrible feeling, that'll all go away. As long as you look within yourself and express your true, authentic self, then all the things will be okay. Repent of the way you are doing it, but turn to this. Love yourself more. Find more delight. Look how great you are. Look how amazing you are. And it never works. Uh, It never works. Find delight in yourself? That's pure narcissism. The Christian message is the complete opposite of that. We haven't been made to glorify ourselves and enjoy ourselves forever. We've been made to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. When we look within ourselves, we see failure. We see falling short. All of us do. But if we look to the wrong place for contentment, if we look for the wrong place for peace, we're going to find more misery. The message of repentance of the Bible, the medicine of repentance is look away from yourself and find this healing that is spoken about in verse 2. After two days, will he revive us? You see, we need reviving. We need life. We need rescuing from the sin. And what does sin bring? Death. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. We need the Lord's resurrection. We need his victory over the grave. We need his triumph over death and over hell. That's what we need. That's the medicine of repentance. It's not in ourselves. It's not in our performance. Because you may be here this evening going, I find, find I'm so short. I wish I was further along in my walk. I think many of us do. We wish we were further along than we are. But the true medicine of repentance is not your level of repentance or level of faith. We will always struggle to measure that. But it is turning toward the one who is healing, the one who is medicine. You see, we shall live. How will we live? In our own performance, in our own fruit as believers in Jesus Christ? No. We shall live in his sight. We shall live in his sight. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4, it says this. This is speaking of the gospel. It was preached by Paul. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 15. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This is what we need. His finished work, not our imperfect work. He who heals us. And may we find joy in that. Our final point this evening is the blessed reality. The blessed reality of repentance. So we've looked at the necessity of repentance. We all need to repent. We all sin. The sight of repentance. We're turning from something that is against God to God who is lovely. Seeing who he is. Seeing 
the evil of sin. And then the medicine of repentance is the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, number four, the blessed reality. Turning from something, let's be honest, if we're told to turn from something, to turn to something else, it always sounds negative. It always sounds negative. Oh, that thing that I'm currently doing, that I'm currently enjoying, most likely, that always sounds negative. But, friends, it is not. Verse 3 of Hosea 6. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. You see, while we can think of these things as unpleasant, perhaps you come to Thursdays on uh, the communion season, you think, oh, we're going to be looking at repentance now. This is the negative part. This is the thing that's going to make me feel horrible. But there's a blessed reality of repentance that we must not miss. Yes, there's a negative. There's something we're rejecting and saying no to, but there's something that we're embracing that is wonderful. We're saying no to that which harms us, and we're embracing in repentance something that blesses us. Now, I hope this is not misunderstood. This is not going to mean this verse here speaking about these blessings in verse 3, that we're going to have an easy life. I will be taking this out of context. We will suffer. Yes, even in the midst of our sufferings in this world, we are blessed in Jesus. In the way that truly matters eternally, in a way that can never be taken from any of us who are truly in Christ. Often we do not understand this language as blessed in, in our part of the world. I think we might read this and think of, is this truly a blessing? It says, and he shall come unto us as the rain and as the former rain unto the earth. I think here we're speaking about this in, in Scotland. and I'm from Ireland and somebody might hear, well, rain doesn't sound very, doesn't sound like a blessing, does it? If we say, how was the weather? And you say, well, it hasn't rained. That's a good thing. But we have to think about what is water? What is rain to most places around the world? It is life. And without it, there is death. Years ago, I lived in Italy. And for three months, it did not rain. Not once. The ground was dusty and the plants, the grass, it died. It was brown. Why is our countryside so beautiful? Why is it so green and lush? Because we have so much rain. We have so much blessing. Now, we don't want too much rain, do we? Too much rain, we saw that at the flood. We want just the right amount. And that's what the Lord gives us. The former and the latter rate, in their seasons, in their times, when we need such things. You see, too much water, there's a flood. Too little water, there's also death. God gives us the blessings 
in repentance and turning to him exactly what we need. It, that this is the reality of repentance. We're turning from what doesn't help us, what doesn't in any way nourish us and our soul, to him who does. That's a glorious thing. These blessings we have in Christ. So as we, as, as we approach the Lord's table, don't think, there's one sense in which we should be content. We should be content with what the Lord has given us. But there's another sense in which we should not be content. I'm happy where I am in my Christian walk. I wish not to proceed any further. If I proceed any further with my walk, it's going to cause trouble in my job. It's going to cause trouble in my relationships. I'm happy where I'm at. Friend, do not think that way. As we approach the Lord's table May we seek to grow. May we seek to be nourished and blessed in Christ. When we change. Yes, when we, when we believed the first time, when we repented of our sins, yes, from that moment we were saved. From that moment the Lord never will let us go if we've trusted in the Lord truly. But why would you rob yourselves of the blessings that comes with turning from that sin in your life today, friend. That thing that is coming through your mind right now, a thing you're struggling with, go to war with it. That thing that robs you of assurance, that thing that makes you... Now, there may be different things that we need to do in our walk to rid ourselves of it. And there'll always be sin in our lives, but may we make a conscious effort that we would not rob ourselves of the blessings that come with the Lord's table. That we're, as we come before the table of the Lord, we're, set, we're leaving something behind and we're embracing the body and blood of Christ. We're embracing the nourishment that Jesus offers. And this is why our larger catechism calls on us to eat to examine ourselves. And as we approach, we're not just doing it out of mere external formality. We're seeking to grow and know the Lord more. So let us search our hearts as we approach the Lord. What robs you of joy, dear believer? What robs you of sweet time with the Lord? Maybe it's just time you need with God. It may not be a reading plan to read through your Bible in a year. It may just be time where there's no phone, no interruptions, and you and God alone. What is contrary to God's word? What is causing a distance to grow between you and the Lord? Seek to rectify that. Seek to find that blessing in the Lord as you approach the Lord's table. The Sabbath, and perhaps you're here this evening. Perhaps you have no concept of sin. You may have heard the gospel time after time after time, and you have no idea what it means to forsake sin, to leave it behind. No, our sin, no, our, our repentance is never perfect, this side of eternity. Our faith, it may be the side of some mustard seed, but have you that faith? Have you looked to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Have you, do you cling to him as your only hope? 
And if you have, come and be blessed by the Lord. Amen.